Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production advice website and helping you get better results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And with me again this week is my co-host, John Tidy from reaperblog.net. John, how are you? I'm a bit sick, but I'm here. Happy to be here. Yeah, you're, you're actually, you don't sound as sick as you did when I started talking to you, so that's no, a good I, thing. That is a good thing, yeah. Excellent. And this week, we thought we would do something slightly different. We've had a few episodes that have kind of been fairly, uh, you know, kind of laser focused in on techniques and strategies. In this one, we're going to kind of broaden things out a bit and just talk about, I wanted to do an episode about books, about audio. Um, And we might bend the rules and throw in a few things that are not books as well. We'll see how much time we have and whether it seems to be appropriate or not. But there's just uh, I think this was when John and I got talking after one of the other episodes and I just started going, oh, have you, do you know about this? Do you know about this? And he was suggesting stuff to me. Um, and we just thought it might be cool to share some of these resources with you guys. Um, so, I mean, John, what is your favorite way to kind of learn about audio stuff? Are you, do you prefer to read? Do you prefer to watch videos, listen to podcasts? What what's, takes your fancy? I think I gravitate towards the videos first, but I don't know how much I actually learn often because it it's I get distracted I, very easily. <laughs> you mean like but distracted by the other links on YouTube? Yeah, or just... yeah, distractions like ads and and if I have a video on, then the kids are in. And but recently, I've had a hard time focusing on like a book or something like that. Magazines tend to be okay because because you can you know, kind of finish an article in a couple minutes and then you're at the end and it's a safe place to move on. But books are often a lot longer with a technical book about mastering or recording and things. There's, there's a lot of technical things and a lot of kind of prerequisite knowledge for a lot of those things. So it's less of an easy read. Yeah. So I guess videos, but really anything um, I can learn from, I think really like getting an idea and then trying it out for myself is where I learn the most. Okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, absolutely the same. And I mean, I remember it from, I don't know, learning maths at school. You know, it's like you, you can, somebody can tell you the theory and you think you understand it, but it's only when you actually kind of, uh, and it's the same, yeah, it's the same with recording. All the microphone technique in the world can just, is no use to you unless, until you've actually been in there and moved the mic around and figured out or started to figure out the, the differences that make. I, think I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I struggle with videos because, uh, just because of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, because videos take up on well, all my senses, but, but sight and sound. Um, so I like to just listen to stuff these days. I, I like, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing I do when somebody recommends a book to me now is to see if there's an audio book available because I can multitask. I can, I can listen while I'm, I don't know, walking or mowing the, the lawn or washing up or whatever it might be. Um, and so it st- stops me getting bored with that kind of stuff as well. The fact is that not that many audio books are available as audio books, um, <laughs> in my experience. I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, I'm sure everybody knows what I mean, even though that was probably a really badly structured sentence. Um, I mean, just for example, one of the books I'm going to recommend um, on this show is uh, a biography of Brian Eno. It's a big, thick book with lots of words in it, but it took me about three years to read it, um, which is ridiculous because I would just dip into it every so often, um, you know, and it's just insanely slow. Anyway, 
there is a ton of great stuff out there and hopefully people listening to this might have a bit more time available or can can make some time i think most of the stuff here you could dip in and out of and i think one thing we should start with a disclaimer and just say to the best of my knowledge there are only two books on this list that are specifically about mastering um because books about mastering are even rarer than audiobooks about audio um so um yeah if you guys want really hardcore mastering stuff then there are other episodes that you might want to dig into first but i think for me i just enjoy learning about all of this stuff well in a minute i'll talk about a, a book where i did learn some stuff about mastering even though it wasn't a book about mastering and i just I just think, personally, I, I just find all of this fascinating. The more I find out, the kind of the more fascinating it becomes. Um, and it all feeds in and is kind of useful somehow, somewhere, even if it's just talking to clients, you know, the, if you know more about a topic, I mean, all of that stuff, you know, is valuable above and beyond just our ability to tweak an EQ or set up a compressor. So, yeah, okay, let's, let's dig in. Um, the first thing... I thought it would be fun to recommend is something that I think we both have in common, which is an audiobook um, of The Daily Adventures of Mixer Man, which, how did you come across that first, John? I don't remember how I ended up there, but I ended up on Mixer Man's forum, um, the Woom forum, I think it was called. There was um, like a PDF or something of the original kind of Mixer Man story. They had a podcast, they had all these things. Um, I think this was right after I finished audio school. So mm-hmm. it was like the perfect thing for me to like continue learning. Yeah. And, and this story is, is just, it's so over the top and unbelievable, but like mysterious enough that you're constantly wondering like, who is Mixer Man or who is this band? And like, how can this be true? But it's, it's grounded enough in reality that you can kind of believe it. If you if you spend some time seeing bands in a studio, you can kind of believe all this mm. stuff. And I don't know if there's really things to learn exactly. Um, I think from I, it. I, I think maybe there is. I mean, I, I think the first thing to say is it's just funny, right? Um, so I completely. I mean, you were there from the beginning because I think he he posted it. It was kind of like before blogs were a thing. I think, and he was posting daily updates on yeah on just forums on a message or, board. Yeah, yeah, on a on a message board. Um, and yeah, it was this kind of fictionalized account of all his worst client experiences, I guess, um, from over his career. These days, we know that Mixer Man is Eric Sarafin, um, who is a really successful... Is he from LA? I think, I think he's so. an LA producer. Um, and he's also written a ton of books, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, just this incredibly over-the-top stuff. But I think from... Especially if, if somebody doesn't have kind of experience of day-to-day working in a professional recording environment i think you you kind of by by the way he's so outraged by everything that goes wrong <laughs> and the the bad behavior that happens and, and, and all the rest of it you kind of pick up the way that things should be you know in terms of maybe kind of client etiquette and just the there's a bit of a hierarchy i would say in a professional recording studio where if if it's more than just a one person outfit um you know and so engineer versus producer versus the band and the manager and all of those kind of all of the people dynamics and stuff so yeah i think uh, 
I mean, it's it's very funny. There's a lot of truth in there, and the audiobook in particular. I mean, you, it's called an audiobook, but it's actually basically a dramatized version of the story. Um, yeah, with music and sound effects, and every character is a different person. And it's all people from the audio community, like professional audio engineers. And um, yeah, I think is really Dave cool. Pensado in there somewhere, and I, I think so. um, Ken Scott, who we're going to talk about in a minute, is one of the the characters in there. Yeah, it's just he's, I think fantastic. He's, the, he's Willie's show, I think. Yes, and Dave Pensado, I think, is the Pro Tools editor. I can remember who he was. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> it's um. So yeah, people should definitely check that out. And I wrote a blog post about this when it first came out um, on my website, which uh, we could point people at, and that will help them find the the thing if they would like to get it for themselves. Uh, Eric has also written two or three books now. Um, the one that I know is, oh, now I'm going to get confused. I think it was Zen and the Art of Mixing was the first one. Yeah. It was. Um, and then there and, was Zen and the Art of Producing after that. Right. Um, so... I think Zen and the Art of Mixing is the only one that I've read so far. I really enjoyed it. Um, and there is a, a lot of um, actionable stuff in there. You could almost maybe read it as a kind of a handbook to to pick out the the lessons maybe in The Adventures of Mixerman. And I mean, the reason Eric is fun to read is, or Mixerman is fun to read, is that it is humorous and it is often controversial and he will often overstate points um, and say things categorically as though they're true. And I would quite strongly disagree with that sometimes but it's all good it all uh it's all useful and fun i think so okay that's good that's a start um i'm gonna go for my next option i'm gonna do a general category and then reel off a list because i'm uh so my category is books about the beatles i'm a beatles obsessive um i have been ever since i didn't i wasn't into them when i was young but when i in my first year at college uh, my friend Ben bought a copy of uh, Yellow Submarine, the album, on CD. Um, and I had never, I, I was like, why would you want to listen to the Beatles? Because I'd heard all the stuff that my parents had listened to, like Please Please Me and Love Me Do and all that, you know, the kind of the early stuff, and just didn't get why anybody would be interested in the Beatles uh, in this day and age. And then I listened to Yellow Submarine in particular because it included strawberry fields and penny lane on it and um i had my mind expanded basically because it's it's like another you know in a few short years they progressed from being one thing to being something completely different um so i i could literally do an entire podcast episode on the beatles um maybe one day i will but i would say anything you you can read or find out about the beatles is going to be fascinating and possibly useful. I mean, I find it inspiring because it's hard to find an idea in audio or recording or mixing or production that they they didn't do back then. It's like we had the tools are different these days. Um, but they just did so much in terms of experimentation. So some of my favorite Beatles books are there's a I don't know whether you can still get it. It's called The Complete Beatles Recording Sessions by Mark Lewison literally goes through every single recording session they ever did and tells you which takes they recorded of which songs and has all these interesting technical details and stuff. I'd say that's for the obsessives. <laughs> um, but there are there's a much easier read, which is called Revolution in the Head by Ian MacDonald, which uh, talks much more about the songwriting and the production process and the kind of the personalities and what was going on with the band at the same time. But there's a load of information about recordings in there. There are... 
two books by actual Beatles engineers. So one is Here, There and Everywhere by Jeff Emmerich. And then the other one is not specifically about the Beatles, it's by Ken Scott, who I mentioned who's in Adventures of Mixer Man, who also produced David Bowie and uh, a ton of other huge artists and, and kind of talks about all of those in the book, but also worked with the Beatles. And there's, the, I can recommend both of those just because it's kind of fascinating seeing two different opinions of, of the band and of who was responsible for what technical innovations and um, there's some kind of conflicts about <laughs> who's responsible for what in there that I find is pretty fascinating. Um, and then the other thing I was going to mention is there's actually a really good documentary about the making of Sergeant Pepper, um, which uh, was on the UK TV channel ITV years ago, um, the South Bank show. But actually there is a video of it available online, which I put on my site years ago, and we could include a link in, to that in the show notes. Um, so I'm going to have to stop there. Um, John, are you, where do you stand on the Beatles? Are you like me or do you kind of look at it going there? Yeah, it's, it's definitely before my time. Um, I mean, I, my time to be, to be honest, <laughs> um, my parents had the white album on vinyl. Uh, I listened to it while trying to learn Blackbird for, oh, yeah. um, for a guitar class in high school, uh, but then haven't listened to it since. And I never figured out the song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I just, um, I just got the deluxe box set, um, of the white album for my birthday. Um, which has six CDs and a Blu-ray in it, so it's got. It's all Kurt's, the same album. It's all it's all the same album, but it's it's so there's complete remixes because it was a double album originally. So there's complete remixes of all of those, which are kind of interesting. I wouldn't say they're necessarily better than the originals, but they're interesting certainly. And then there's a ton of studio outtakes, um, where you can hear all the chat and stuff going on, which is fascinating. Um, and there's the they actually recorded demos for that album i think at george harrison's house after they got back from india um they went off to see a guru and try and learn transcendental meditation um, and so these demos were just recorded yeah in a, in a house with i think maybe a, a four track setup or something um and they're kind of legendary um those are all in there there's just a ton of stuff so it's it's a rabbit hole i can understand why people might kind of go in this day and age of electronica and urban hip-hop that's kind of highly polished pop stuff that we have and computers and all the rest of it you might think the Beatles are completely irrelevant and I would say that's just completely not true um and yeah I would say to anybody try reading Revolution in the Head um to get an idea of of why I say that anyway that's enough on the Beatles um okay maybe it's time to actually have a book about mastering since this is the mastering show um uh, now what's it called there's a book so it's a book by Bobby Ozinski which I haven't read What's the exact title, John? On my copy of it, it says the audio mastering handbook in bold, but it also says the mastering engineer's handbook, second edition. So, um, so it's known by both the names and I think it's more well known as the mastering engineer's handbook because the previous two books are the recording engineer's handbook and the mixing engineer's handbook. Okay. So as the trilogy, it's a little easier to remember but the name is different. Right. I mean, because Bobby has written over 20 books about audio um, on all kinds of different topics. So anybody who has, isn't aware of his stuff should definitely check him out. But like you say, these these are the kind of the big the big three, aren't they? 
Yeah. And so these, these books are mostly um, interviews and knowledge gained from the interviews um, on various topics. So like microphones and, or well, in the mastering one, it's um, various techniques and equipment that we'd use um, technical things about surround mastering and things like that. The real good stuff is in the interviews, I feel. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, if for each of the books, he kind of interviews just a range of people and then kind of, yeah, tries to, to pull all of the, the, the best bits out of what they've, um, they've said on each topic. Um, so yeah, it's kind of less of a how to do this, this, and this kind of book as a, you know, you kind of read it, it's interesting, and you learn about the philosophy and people's opinions and also pick up information along the way. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, it, it's absolutely not a, like, there's no, like, step-by-step instructions for anything in there. Mm. And I don't know if people expect that sort of thing. There isn't really anything like that in a book that I've seen. Um, you learn mastering from being mentored or, I guess, YouTube <laughs> these days. Or, or this podcast, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, mentioning podcasts, Bobby also has a podcast, um, which I can recommend, which is, is kind of similar every uh, week, I think it is, he has a different guest, um, talks about some kind of news items. So I find that kind of interesting because um, he is very much embedded in the kind of the professional music scene in the US. Um, so sometimes he has a he has a kind of inter- interesting kind of music industry perspective on stuff, I think. Um, and since we're mentioning podcasts, um, there are, of course, a ton of great audio and music podcasts out there. We did a show on them. In fact, I forget which episode it is. We will put it in the show notes at themasteringshow.com along with all the other things that we're mentioning um, if you guys want to check it out. Um, there are a couple in there. So there's a couple that we forgot and there's a couple that have come out um, later and maybe we'll do an, an update show at a future point, but we won't get uh, sidetracked down the podcast rabbit hole this time. Another heading we have here is is magazines. Um and I don't know about you, but the the kind of the main audio magazine for me uh, is Sound on Sound. I'm pretty sure everybody reading this, probably everybody who's done kind of ever investigated recording at all knows about Sound on Sound. I was reading it when I was a student. Um, we used to get it at the studio where I used to work. So I would read it while I was listening to tapes copy or whatever. Um, it's There's just a wealth of information um, there. They have a website with pretty much, I think, anything, I don't know whether it's six months older or whether it's a year, but almost all the the past issues or the content from the past issues is available on that website. So people should definitely check that out if they haven't already. Is that one that you read, John? Yeah, I used to read them a lot back in mm, 2008, I want to say. Um, but I haven't really, you know, there's a, a big gap in between. Um, I would check out the website occasionally and I keep subscribed to their YouTube channel and uh, their news feed. But I bought that and, and a computer music magazine and tape op all on the same day. The real downside with the magazines is the the amount of ads. So mm-hmm. it, a, any magazine you pick up is, is going to be like 70% ads. And here, those magazines are not cheap. So Sound on Sound is, I don't know, 12 bucks. Yeah, honestly, then they're not that cheap here either. I mean, you, you, I, I don't, I forget what the price is, but yeah, especially something like that where there's quite a lot of it's quite a thick magazine. 
it could be the price of a paperback book. And it's, I mean, that's a point I hadn't thought of really. It's just interesting, you know, we're kind of used to being swamped by ads online, but that's the price you pay for what you get being free. It's kind of slightly weird to buy a magazine and then still get all of the ads. Um, I guess that's the kind of the old model, if you like. But um, you mentioned Tape Up there, and that's a magazine that I've also read um, a lot over the years. Um, And I know that that's one of your favorites, right? It is, and um, and they've even produced a couple books from the the first. I think they went up to the first twenty issues, but then stopped making the books. Uh, but those are are really cool books. Uh, the actual issues are are great. If you're in the U.S., you get it for free. There's an online subscription, mm-hmm. and um, I guess I'm just really lucky. But the store down the street sells it for six bucks. It's like mm-hmm. the cheapest magazine in the whole store, um, which is amazing. And they always have a few of them in stock. So, um, so I picked them up whenever I see it. There's a new one. That's, that's really cool. I don't think I've ever seen that in the shop here in the UK. Um, yeah, I don't even have to go to a music store. It's just in the bookstore. It's awesome. Um, but what I like about that, uh, that magazine is that it's interviews with a lot of indie producers and a lot of like lower budget stuff. And there's a lot to learn from it. Like, you know, being resourceful about what you have there's there's a lot of equipment that's reviewed that i haven't heard of or it might not even be like the latest and greatest stuff is just stuff that they come back to as they you know test it over and over again mm-hmm. um and there's some oddball things in there like they in the last issue i read they reviewed uh a thing that cleans your microwave but <laughs> They justified it in such a great way uh, because every studio has got a disgusting microwave that no one wants to reheat their coffee in or <laughs> cook their lunch in. And the uh, the last page editorial is always really good. Have they done an article yet on uh, where to get replacement bulbs for lava lamps? Because that's another crucial uh, recording studio piece of equipment. That That's something that I struggle with personally. <laughs> Not that I've seen. But uh, but you can search their their website for uh, for you know the stories from the back issues. You can even buy yeah. the each in, uh, issue individually. I agree. V- very cool magazine. Um, and one other, I mean, there there are actually, I mean, there's there's a ton of magazines. Obviously, there, there's Mix Magazine. Um, you mentioned Future Music, Music Tech, um, Guitarist Magazine, all all of these kind of ones. Um, but one of other of my favorites is Resolution Magazine. I don't know whether it's distributed in the US, but it's also available online. And again, I like it because it's, I guess, more less about the kind of the the hobby um, end of the market. I mean, you know, Sound on Sound is interesting because it's it's kind of all levels. Tape Op, I guess, is an enthusiast's magazine, but talking to pros, maybe. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Whereas Resolution often has articles by professional engineers. Quite often it has some pretty in-depth technical stuff. Um, it has profiles of different recording studios around the world. Um, it, again, it's just another perspective that I find interesting. Um, Didn't we have someone on that that writes for them? Yes. Um, Russell Cotier, um writes for, for Resolution regularly. And in fact, Mike Banks, who runs the recordproduction.com website, which is fantastic if you want hundreds of hours of videos and interviews with engineers and producers, you should check that out. Um, He's also a keen photographer. Um, 
So he used to do, I don't know if he still does, but he certainly used to do a lot of the, uh, the photo shoots for the, for the studios and stuff with them. Um, so yeah, that's definitely check out their resolution magazine, the, the, check out their website. Okay. I'm gonna, now going to talk about the book that took me several years to read, which is on some faraway beach by David Shepard and is a biography of Brian Eno. Um, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows who Brian Eno is, but if you don't, he's a musician and a record producer and kind of an engineer. Reading the book was fascinating because, I mean, I knew that he was involved with a ton of my favourite bands. So, you know, he had worked with Talking Heads, he'd worked with David Bowie, um, he worked with uh, U2 and Coldplay and James um, over the course of his career. What I didn't realise was that actually he's kind of there through almost all the music that I like, um, right back to the beginning. Um, so, and he's just fascinating. You're not going to get any tips in this on how to record a great guitar sound or studio, etic studio etiquette or anything else, but it's just fascinating to read about the route that he took into the music industry and to, I mean, he's, he's, he's great at kind of the thinking about music in some ways sometimes the way that he thinks about music is almost more interesting not, i don't know to say more interesting than the music that he makes but it's just as interesting or it's as thought-provoking and i just i think a lot of these things that i'm recommending here i find inspiring you know they they give me ideas they help keep me fresh they keep me interested they and this book just made me look differently at a ton of bits of music and musicians that i didn't know anything about um like he had a whole kind of kraut rock phase that I didn't know anything about and is really interesting because that fed into what he did with Bowie for example um if anybody decides to dig into say the, the Beatles the, the amazing thing these days is that because we have things like Apple Music and Spotify uh and YouTube chances are if you read about something from history um that you haven't heard or you don't know about you will be able to find it and hear it to the extent where in in this book there was a discussion or there was a description of the last gig where Eno sang because when he was part of Roxy Music, um, he did some singing and he did a couple of solo albums where he was singing, but he's not the world's best vocalist and he's not kind of known as a singer. And the last gig that he did was with some ex-members of Roxy Music and a few other things and they were talking about it and mentioned the fact that he did a cover of Tomorrow Never Knows or the band did a cover of Tomorrow Never Knows by The Beatles. And I was just, oh, if only I could have heard that. And it's there, you know, it's, you, you can find it, um, which is quite extraordinary. You know, there's all these bootlegs online and, and all the rest of it. And I think this actually eventually got released as an album. So yeah, I read that book really slowly and just would, at each point would kind of do a search and try and, and be listening to the music that I was reading about that maybe I didn't know about before while I was reading it. And it's just, it's kind of like, you know, it's like bonus DVD extras in a book or something to be able to do that way. So I, I highly recommend that. There's also um, a book that Ina wrote himself called A Year with Swollen Appendices, um, which is a fantastic pun. I don't know whether he actually had appendicitis in it, but anyway, there are very big appendixes at the back of the book. Um, and it, it's literally his diary. And again, I just find it inspirational. He, you know, just at one point he would, he was just creating effectively almost random music um, and would just record the entire day's 
uh, noodlings, I guess. It, you know, it's not really jamming because it's just him kind of fiddling around with bits of electronics and soundscapes and samples and processing and, and stuff. And if he got kind of two or three minutes that he thought was interesting and that he liked, then he considered that a profitable day. Um, there's not many of us have the luxury to be quite that creative. Um, no. But it's, uh, yeah, I just, I just love it. Um, there's also... Uh, uh, you can tell probably I'm a fan. So there are various videos featuring Eno or about him or by him. Um, and I've posted some of them on my uh, website on the blog. So again, we can include some links to those in the show notes this week. Are you kind of aware of Eno, John, or is that or not? I am aware. I couldn't hum any of his songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, you could. Um, Heroes by... I mean, it's it's by Bowie, but I mean, he was yeah, okay, yeah, instrumental in a ton of things like that. Sure, I I, I haven't got into him. Okay, well then you need to start. <laughs> um, okay, now now there's a book that I don't know about um, by Maureen Droney um, called Mixmasters. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so that's one that I I have. I must have picked it up cheap on on Amazon or something like that. Um, right after. Um, graduating from audio school. So I was looking mm -hmm. for more books. I already had the Bobby Ozinski's books. Um, this is kind of similar where it's it's a bunch of, um, of interviews. Uh, they came from Mix Magazine over, I don't know, 10 years or however long she was there. And so it's just a collection of her interviews with, with famous mixers collected into one book. Lots of good tips and stuff in there. Cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Back then, back in... I don't know, 2001, 2005, when these were written, it's like you couldn't get interviews anywhere else. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no YouTube. And now you could, you know, look up any um, music producer's name or mix engineer's name, and you'll find dozens of videos, hours and days worth of content. So um, it was important back then. Don't seek it out, but if you see it, you know, used, check it out. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, um, and you're, you're right. It's uh, like maybe there are people listening to this going, books? Why would I read about <laughs> this stuff? Um, I mean, for me, I just I, – well, one of the books that I'm going to recommend in a minute, um, The Great British Recording Studios, I still haven't finished reading it. Um, but it's it's kind of – you know, it's a nice – it's hardback, it's big, um, and it just – I can just leave it on a – lying around the house and it just kind of catches my attention it's like oh okay and actually it's nice to just get some information that doesn't come from a, a computer screen sometimes i think something that um, doesn't have a comment section oh yeah <laughs> and, that, and that doesn't have ads and links to you know yeah. cat videos and stuff <laughs> um anyway cool no that's uh, that's i'm going to definitely look out for that one because mix magazine um is not easy to get here so uh, I mean, I think it is available, and I guess now a lot of it will be online. Uh, no. But the um, again, it's it's kind of good. I think there's also value just in something like that where it's been edited, right? Where it's been collated, where somebody has said, "Okay, what are the best things? What are we gonna? What's good enough to go into a book?" Yeah. Um, that just unless you're going to read every issue of a magazine or whatever is is tough to figure out. I just realized um, that this is all from before blogs, before anyone. Before <laughs> before anyone had a website about recording <laughs> or anything. That makes about me feel recording. less bad yeah, it's, about it's... talking about so many bands that don't exist anymore. Or... 
now here's a current book um recording unhinged by sylvia massey i'm not going to talk about ton about this because she was actually a guest on the podcast uh way back in the early days and we talked about this book specifically it's fantastic i mean she she also is interviewing um a ton of interesting people about getting but it's all about creativity and i mean you know the title says it's all so so there's instructions in there and illustrations on how to mic up a chicken for example and how to use a potato as an audio filter um just crazy stuff that is sometimes you know thought provoking funny inspiring um and she's a fantastic illustrator she also illustrated the book there's these amazing cartoons all the way through it's um it's just one of those books that is a pleasure to own and is great for dipping in you know you were saying a book is can and i agree a book can be kind of quite a big commitment of time or you know um a daunting prospect and this is little short snippets that you can just kind of grab when you're i don't know waiting for files to download or whatever um i highly recommend it have you seen it I know of it. I have been meaning to pick it up. Uh, I think the first time I went to get it, it was like sold out. And then the second time it was like crazy prices. And like, okay, like it, I think this is going to have to be an impulse buy. I got to see it in the, in the store or something because the cost of shipping books is quite high here. Yep. I, I was the same. Actually, I heard about it when it was, and I probably ended up paying through the nose for it. I have to say, I don't regret it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd recommend anybody gets it in hardback because it's one of those books that you're going to want to keep. Um, okay, so the next one I don't know anything about either is you, The Golden Moment. Yep, so that's by Keith Hatschek. So these are all articles that came from Pro Studio Edition newsletter from Disc Makers. And, mm-hmm. and these are, uh, this was published in uh, 2005. Um, so I guess this was only a couple years old when I picked it up. I don't remember why I picked it up. And I think there's just, at the time, there wasn't a lot of knowledge available. You had to go to audio school, basically, if you wanted to learn recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, you know, this is kind of a compilation of, of great tips for like recording and, and mixing and stuff. Interviews with people that you wouldn't have, have found out about before. And, I think I've, I think I've picked up quite a few tips from this book, but this is probably going to be hard to find. Look for use section on Amazon or something like that. Cause it is, it is, it's old now for sure. This is from a magazine or or, or newsletter. So it wouldn't have been uh, updated. Right. It's an interesting thing though, because I had to work fairly hard to get hold of the Brian Eno book. Um, You know, I, Oh, so, okay. I, so I should mention, I found out about that from two episodes on the Adam Buxton podcast. Um, he got to interview Brian Eno and as preparation for that, he had read the book and that's where I found out about the book. And if you're interested in Brian Eno and you don't want to read the book, but you want to hear a really cool couple of interviews, I highly recommend that. So I will, will include links to that on the show notes for this episode as well. And I already mentioned this book, the Great British Recording Studios, I really like. I haven't finished it yet. I'm kind of dipping through it. It's it's kind of more descriptive than hints and tips, but I just find it fascinating. The, the f- thing that I find fascinating and inspiring about it is that it has floor plans and kind of dimensions of some of the most famous recording studios in the UK 
in it, and almost all of them are acoustically wrong. <laughs> um, almost none of them had proper soundproofing. Almost none of them had proper acoustic treatment. So in this day and age where we're constantly saying, oh, you need the right shape room, you need the, you know, this, that, and the other, I just think it's it's fantastic to read about all these truly legendary, you know, we're talking about the Stones, the Beatles, um, you, you name it, uh, all these acts, the Who, Led Zeppelin, who recorded in places that were just way below the standard, even of a lot of home studios. I mean, particularly if you think of like a Nashville home studio, for example, or a, maybe a, a London UK home studio. I find it fascinating and enjoyable to read the stories and about the gear and stuff that gets used. Um, but particularly to, to know that you don't really need one of the best studios in the world to get great results. I think that's, that's a great thing to uh, get from a book. Um, there's one here that I haven't read yet, um, which is Unlocking Creativity by Michael Beinhorn, which a lot of people have recommended. I have a copy. I can see it from where I sit. Um, so that's on the list. Um, but I don't think you've read that either. Have you done? No, I haven't. No. Okay. So maybe some of our listeners have and, and can tell us about that. The final book that I have on the list kind of has to be mentioned in this show. It's Bob Katz's book, Mastering Audio, The Art and Science. Um, it is, as far as I know, the only book actually about mastering um, and how to. Having said that, a lot of it is pretty highly technical and involved. Um, it's not an easy read, but I think it's probably required reading for anybody who uh, you know considers them a professional at this kind of stuff. Having said that, I only got my own copy a couple of years ago, so um, I had a very successful engineer as a mastering engineer without having read it first. Um, so that's definitely one that people should mention. I mean, so and then finally, I was going to just mention a few things uh, that are not books. For example, YouTube has amazing stuff. Um, there is a documentary about the making of Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the Queen album, which is on my site. There's a link there. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, Imogen Heap, who is a UK musician that I know loads of you will know. I'm a huge fan of her. She released a whole DVD uh, about the making of her album Ellipse, um, which was based on YouTube clips. So actually you can find those out there as well to watch. And she's also simultaneously kind of having the studio that she's working in built in the house where she lives. So that's amazing stuff. There is a TV series called Sound Breaking, which is available on DVD. I have a copy and I haven't watched it yet. And just very quickly, I would like to say that um, I have the box set of the Pet Sounds sessions. So the Beat Boys probably their, their kind of most famous album, Pet Sounds, um, huge kind of outtakes and uh, behind the scenes stuff included on there. And it's fascinating just to listen to it and hear how Brian Wilson was basically using like conventional musicians, almost like a synthesizer. He'd be like, he'd be experimenting with it. Okay, you play this with that and let me see it here how that's, okay, now drop that an octave, do it again. Okay, slower. Um, kind of like we use synths or you know um sample samplers and effects patches these days and he's using real instruments uh, real players in the studio and personally i just find that uh fascinating and inspirational as well any any kind of final thoughts from you john i think some of them that we've mentioned are not specifically to mastering but i think um you can find inspiration from a lot of these sources so I, I think if you work in mastering, you're a fan of music and and you're interested in how things are made. And so you can find a lot of 
um, good, interesting things in a lot of these books, whether they are technical or just the stories behind the albums. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, the the Ken Scott book, Abbey Road to Ziggy Stardust, is an example of that. Um, I discovered in there something I didn't know, which is that if you started as an engineer at Abbey Road in the 60s, uh, the second job you did was to be a mastering engineer. The first job was to work in the tape library. So you learned how to label tapes, how to archive them, how to store them, how to take care of them. And then you learned about the end of the chain. The reasoning was, if you didn't understand the technical requirements of getting something onto a piece of vinyl to begin with, you were never going to be able to do the stuff earlier in the process that got you there, which is fascinating to me because it's kind of the opposite to the way things normally run these days. So yeah, um, completely agree. There's a ton of stuff in there. I hope you guys listening found that useful or interesting. Um, We will put as many links as we can on the show notes page at themasteringshow.com. John, thanks for um, editing the episode as always and for your contributions. Yeah, another fun episode. And thanks to Kaylee Law for letting us use his music. And thanks for listening. Um, now, what's it called? It's a bo- so it's a book, book by Bobby Ozinski, which I haven't read, called... The Audio Mastering Handbook. No, The Mastering Engineer's Handbook. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Really? Well, it, okay, it's got both of those titles on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bold, so do a clean one. On the spine, it says The Audio Mastering Handbook. Okay, and, but then on the cover, it says The Mastering Engineer's Handbook. Uh, well, I've got second edition. I don't know. This has changed. <laughs> We're going to have to edit this out. So that was that was really far off mic as well, but oh well. That was cool. You can stick it at, you can stick it at the end after a beep.